We're continuing our study in the parables of the Bible. And the one today may well be one of the most familiar parables, the Good Samaritan. So when you're going to speak on a very familiar subject, what do you do? How do you make it where people want to sit there and say, oh, I heard that before. You know, it can happen. I thought about doing what I had mentioned to you a few years ago about the pastor that I encountered over in Spartanburg. And he was getting ready to do this message. And so he came up with a plan to make it real for his folks. And it just so happened that the location of their church building put them on a kind of a one-way entry. That one road going in, basically. So what he did was he dressed up like a bum, got him a shopping cart filled up with junk. And on that Sunday morning, which happened to be not according to his plan, but it just worked out where it was nice, rainy and cold. And so as the folks made their way to their church building for their service, here's this guy pushing his grocery cart along the road headed toward their building and they drove by and drove by and drove by when he got to the building he said he literally pushed his cart over the side and went up and looked in the windows in the doors and when he did the greeters stepped back he said so then he moved over to the side pushed his cart over there and kind of got up in the corner because it was rainy and cold. And he watched as all his church members walked in the building, ignoring him as they went to worship God. When the music was ending, he had it prearranged for someone to open the door. He came in with his grocery cart, church somewhat like this in arrangement, came down the center aisle, and you can imagine the horror of all the folks who are there as this bum, they're thinking he's making his way to the front row. And as he gets to the front, he pushes his buggy to the side and starts taking off his apparel getting down to his preachy clothes, as it were. And they were in shock. I thought about doing that. <laughs> I, I would have had a much prettier day. But here, here was my reason for not doing it. I know you guys. And that wouldn't have happened at Chester Freedom Ministry. Now, some of you, I'm going to be honest, some of you would have driven by me in a heartbeat. In fact, you may have tried to run over me in the process. I don't know. <laughs> There's no in bums out there want to get a free, you know, freebie. But here's what I do know. If I had walked up to the glass and peeked in, our greeters would not have stepped back. They just stepped up and opened the door and said, get yourself in here. What are you doing out there anyway? You guys don't think that was okay. All right. <laughs> so the Good Samaritan. Let's look at it. Jesus replied. Now, when he replies, you know what that means. Somebody has asked the question. We're going to do this scripture in reverse today. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. Now, the road to Jerusalem 
or from Jerusalem to Jericho was down, and it was a it was a place for robbers. It wasn't uncommon for people to be robbed there. So his analogy, his parable, is not out of the realm of possibility. And they stripped him, and they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. I guess I should back up because this is a true story. When I was pastor in Kershaw one Sunday morning, I was out on the porch. It was a nice day, greeting people as they came up. And one family came up and said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what's that? They said, there's a guy laying halfway in the road, back down the road. I said, really? Did you stop? No. Why? So the second family rolled up. Same thing. In that church, the guys kind of gathered on the front porch, okay? I said, guys, somebody get in your car and go see what's happening with a guy laying in the road. And they did. He was drunk, and they got him out of the road and got him to his home. God gives us opportunities. We don't always choose to accept them, do we? And by chance, now Jesus is telling this story, and this could not have been a better, better scenario. Because look what it says, by chance a priest was coming down that road. Who better to handle this situation of a guy who's been attacked and beaten and robbed than one of God's servants? It's like, man, this is really good stuff. And so when the priest saw him, he did what? He went to the other side of the road. He did not want to contaminate himself with this man who was bloody and beaten. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed to the other side of the road. Now, these are the two top. When Jesus gives his story, he's very careful to give the two top people in their religion in their day who should have been the first to respond. So, let's pause for a second. In our day, who is it who should be the first to respond? Yeah. All of us. Not just the pastors or a deacon or a teacher, but all of us. But when Jesus is telling a story and he throws a butt in, there's something to behold. But a Samaritan, you know who the Samaritans were? Those were the Jews who intermarried with the Gentiles and they were, they were looked upon as dogs. In fact, in, um, I think it's in John, uh, where was it? Oh, yeah, John 8, 48. The Jews are speaking to Jesus, and they wanted to be as harsh and mean as they could. So they said, oh, you're a Samaritan with a demon. You couldn't curse anybody any worse than that. You're a Samaritan with a demon. And so this Samaritan who's on his journey to the same place, comes upon him, and when he saw him, he what? He felt 
compassion. And he came to him. He bandaged his wounds as best as he could. He poured oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. It's his time. It's his energy. It's his money. He is not holding anything back. He sees a man in distress. He sees a person in distress. And even though the person in the ditch who has been beaten and robbed would have looked upon him as a dog, a Samaritan, he shows kindness. And he does what I think all of us in here would agree should be done. Is that right? We would all agree that that should be done, right? You know, they had no cell phones. They didn't have, you know, highway patrol. They didn't have county deputies. They, it was whoever came down the road. Now, I understand. And please let me qualify this for you ladies particularly and guys as well. I'm, yeah, we're, we're in a day where it shouldn't be like it is, but it is. But at the same time, there are ways for us to help people. And to demonstrate the compassion of God and the love of God for the people that we encounter. Because not all of them are going to be robbed and beaten half to death. Some of them are just going to be needing a little help. So, that's that nice little story. In fact, for those who don't know, the Good Samaritan Medical Clinic was named from this scripture. Because the medical clinic was designed to help those who could not provide medical coverage for themselves. They didn't have government um, subsidy and they didn't have insurance. And so these are the folks who are working hard every day trying to have uh, a living and take care of their families. And they couldn't do their medicine and they couldn't do their physicians. And so this was established by the old Second Baptist Church and a group of us in the church, as well as Dr. Sam Stone, uh, who was a part of that initial group getting it done. And we just celebrated 20 years. That's God. It is amazing that in that time, we've had over 5,000 patients. Now, what happens is they come to us and they stay with us until they can get, till they're old enough to get uh, some Medicare, Medicaid, whatever, or they can, uh, they go to work. When I say go to work, they get, they have a job that gives them benefits. It's not that they're not working. Most of them are. And it was a task, let me tell you, to get this thing up and going. It really was. But God was in it. God did it, and today it's still being provided for financially. And folks who go there, they get all their medical services for free. So that's a good thing. So when you, when you read this story and you give an application like that, it's like, yeah, that's right. That's what this is supposed to be. This is how we do this. Well, let's go back to the beginning and see, what's the con- see what the context is. And a lawyer stood up, I'm now back in the early part of the chapter, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, okay, 
So this lawyer, by the way, is, is not a civil lawyer. This is a religious lawyer. So he knows, he knows the scripture. And what is he doing? Like all of them are trying to do, they're trying to get Jesus to mess up. They're trying to trip him up, trying to get him to say something that they could bring accusation against him. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a good question. It really is. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus, if you've ever noticed, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it isn't uncommon for Jesus to answer a question with a question. So his question is, what is written in the law? Remember, this is a lawyer. This is an attorney. This is his field of expertise. What is written in the law? How does it read? <laughs> I got to love it. How does it read to you? That's what he's saying. How does it read to you? Now, this guy is sharp. Look what he says. And he answered. He's answering from Numbers and Leviticus. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Good answer. How many of you knew that answer? Remember, Jesus was quizzed. What's the most important thing to do greatest commandment love god that's the vertical love others that's the horizontal it kind of represents the cross doesn't it and think about it if this is not as it should be i can promise you this will not be as it ought to be that's fact in marriage in church anywhere if we do not have that relationship with him that comes only to us through Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. If we do not have that, then these relationships will be skewed, I promise you. So far, so good. But this guy's not, he's not done. Jesus responds with, that's the good answer, well done. Do this. Remember, you're asking, how do I have eternal life? Do this. And you'll live. You'll have that eternal life because that's the way, the truth, and the life. But this is where the guy really gets off. He sounds a lot like people today, if you think. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? As I have now had the privilege to pastor all these years, and I have listened to all the responses that I have encountered as I have asked people about their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, going back to my early days as a pastor, I'm teaching a class on salvation. And the question in the book, it was a book from Billy Graham Organization, the question was, if you die today and God, excuse me, if you die today and God asked you why he should let you in his heaven, what would you say? These folks had been in church for a long time. And you know, they all left that question blank because they didn't know the answer. Now, it was horrifying to me as a young pastor And we were able to walk through that and really get some great, great work from that. 
But I've heard them as I've asked someone about their personal relationship. Oh, I used to go to church. Or my favorite one is, oh, I go to church so-and-so. And I say, well, what's the pastor's name? Oh, what is his name? I can't remember now. You know, they change pastors quickly. So I, <clears throat> anyway. Or one of my favorite is, well, you know, my uncle is a pastor. That ought to get you in. You know, the funny thing about that is my wife and my kids and grandkids can't even use that one. Sheila can't say, well, I'm married to Steve, so that ought to get me in. In fact, that's probably a black eye, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Or my kids, well, my dad's a pastor. Nope, doesn't work that way. How does this work? See, see, here's the, the truth about this parable and all parables. They all have something to do with salvation. All these stories are to help us get to the place. As Paul said, the law is what brings us to the gospel. Grace is what gets us in. That's what makes the difference in all that we do like this. So here we are. Here's a guy who is very religious and very knowledgeable. But the issue is, as James says in his first chapter of his book, in verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, because if you hear it and don't do it, you're living in delusion. That's pretty incriminating. He was religious. But when he is responded to in such an amazing way by Jesus, rather than admitting his religion that is more form than truth, he what? He continues to try and justify himself. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus responds, okay, you've heard my story. You've heard my parable. Of these three, the priest, the Levi, and the Samaritan, which one? Which one showed mercy? And even this religious guy who was now backed into a corner, the one who showed mercy. You can't, you, you, if you're not Jewish and particularly living in that particular time in history, you couldn't imagine, you could not imagine how this guy was ground up inside having to admit that a Samaritan had done better than his Jewish brothers. To put it on a lighter note, and I'll come back to the more heavy note in a minute, how many ever watched Happy Days? Remember the Fonz? Remember the first time the Fonz had to admit that he was wrong? Yeah, he couldn't say it. We can't get this. We don't. We didn't. We don't live in that time. We we can't get how agonizing it was for this guy to say, "Wait a minute, Jesus." In your story, the Samaritan was the hero. How can that even be? It's not even possible. He was so caught up. In his religiosity, he was so caught up in 
the things as he had been accustomed to, that he was at a place of distress when he had to give an answer to Jesus. And you got to love Jesus. I hope you do anyway. He said, well, just go and do like the Samaritan. (laughs) This guy was kicking rocks as he was leaving that party. Man, he was ticked. It's easy for us to say here today, isn't it? Look back through history and see this religious lawyer really embarrass himself. But let's see if we can make it a little more appropriate for us. If we were today having to stand before God or the judgment seat of Christ and give the reasons of how we have lived our life, how would it be for you and I? You see, that's always the question. And it isn't about how well we have continued to maintain our traditions and our thoughts and philosophies and religiosity. It's always back to what is our relationship with him. And in that relationship, our life will be different than the life of others. Because it comes down to righteousness. And in Isaiah 64, it says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. By the way, anybody here know what was truly being said when Isaiah the prophet said that our righteousness is as filthy rags? Does anybody here know what that means? You want to tell them, Rick? Yeah. Back in the day, they didn't go to the market and buy their sanitary napkins. They used a piece of rag. I'm trying to get get you guys ready for lunch. (laughs) And so when a woman would go through her menstrual cycle and use that rag... And after a while, they would have to be discarded, hopefully. Isaiah, looking at the righteousness of God and the righteousness of man, he says, in comparison, that's what ours looks like. It's not that it's just not pretty, it stinks. So all of this is what I think is being said in this parable of the Good Samaritan. So, I can't tell you how I would love to be up here today and tell you that as I read this and studied this, that I wasn't convicted, but I'm telling you I was convicted and continuing to be convicted to the core of where I am in this. Not preaching, not throwing stones at anybody, just explaining the facts and then saying, okay, how am I doing? And in that process... God brought me to another portion of Scripture. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I would like for everyone, please stand. 
And I'm going to read this portion of scripture from 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. And Lord, help us to uh, listen. Help us to listen with ears that are not just wanting to be tickled, but really want truth. And help us to listen with ears that are attached to a heart that is willing to obey. So maybe we could do it like this. If you would, just lift your eyes toward heaven as you're looking prayerfully to God and listen as I read his word for us today. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But this, the love of God, was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, meaning the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. And he is in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Let's let that sink in. Holy Spirit, you inspired this word. Holy Spirit, you're the one that Father God has given to us so that love can be in us and through us. And thank you, Father, that myself and everyone else, everyone else will stand before you and face the judgment of how well this has been perfected in our lives because it's been offered to us everything for life and godliness. 
It isn't that you're not providing and it's not you're making a way. It's the fact that we can sometimes be unwilling in our unrighteousness. Help us today, I pray. I pray, I pray. Help us today to allow you, Holy Spirit, In fact, I break off that unloving spirit that we can have even in our religion and religiosity. And praise you, God, for giving us your love because you are love. Now, before I finish that prayer, I want you to look up here. I'm not asking you to agree with me on this particular point, but I do believe we're in the last days. Now, what that means, I don't know. I don't know that it means next week, next month, next year. I don't know. Next decade. I don't know. But I do know that it means this. We have a lot of people in our families and our neighborhoods who do not know the love of God. Now, this guy could talk about it, but he didn't practice it. I think most of us can talk about it. The question is, are we practicing it? And whether we agree or not on this one, the scripture is very clear. We will all, every one of us, will stand and be judged individually and I think corporately as a church. Now you're blessed that you're part of this church because you every week people are being ministered to and helped as God brings them to us. They really They are blessed. They're provided for in the ways that we can. And we celebrate that. We praise God for that. But if if our world, and I'm talking about here in our area, our region, if our world is going to know the love of God, then it's us. It's us in our families. It's us in our neighborhood. It's us at work. It's us at school. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So would you just raise a hand and only repeat after me if you're willing to do it. And I know this is kind of putting you on the spot. You know, I do that from time to time. I think it's important. Father God, take from my life any unloving spirit. Take from my life my selectiveness and only caring for those that are like me. And thank you, Holy Spirit, pouring the love of the Father in my heart, in my life, and let our world, let my world see your love every day, In my home, in my community, on my job, and at my school. Holy God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let the miracles begin in Jesus' name. Amen.